Welcome to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and with us today is another great guest, Emma Powell, owner at High Rise Group Capital. Emma, how you doing? I'm doing great, especially after that intro music. Everybody is loves that, that music. Yeah, that's you, ours here. That's you? Oh, no, that's not me. I know you and I have the musical inclinations as a, <laughs> something that we both do, but that is not me. I just sit here and dance, that's all. I'm still waiting for that guitar lesson, so you let me know when you're ready. All right, you got it. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's been great to get to know you, and I'm really excited to have you here on the show. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, I really love, love uh, this networking tool, the podcast medium, guesting. I don't really want to have a podcast, so hats off to you for taking that on. But um, I just I just love um, coming and getting to know all the hosts and meeting the audiences. Awesome. Well, today we get to know you. So before we jump into what you do, Emma, I want to know who you are. So tell our viewers, who is Emma Powell? Um, first and foremost, I mean, people talk about God. They talk about their family. Um, you know, I'm a mom. I've got six kids. We've been homeschooling about 10 years. My husband and I, our anniversary, 24 years this weekend. Oh, uh, happy anniversary. Last, last, last day of February. Um, so we've got, we've got a really good thing going in this here family. I feel like, you know, 24 years later, uh, we are just working together really well. We worked out all of those annoying kinks, uh, accepted each other for who we are, accepted our kids for who they are. And it's allowed me to then kind of translate that onto everything else that I do. And so that those communication skills, those interpersonal skills, those letting go of control over everything and micromanaging everything, you know, teenagers will teach you that is just not reasonable. So um, that's the first thing about me. You know, we're, we're very active in our religion. Um, that is probably for a different show because that goes deeper than just that statement goes for me. You know, we have kind of differing views on that religion, but we've come to a, a middle ground where we can practice together. Um, and then I love to have a thousand hobbies and obsessively research things like the guitar is a perfect example. I spent about a year and a half with that guitar hanging next to my bed and YouTube videos and playing it. My husband's like, I'm trying to sleep. I didn't know how to <laughs> sing. I didn't know how to play the guitar, but I spent a, a while just diving into that. And I haven't touched the guitar in, in probably six months now. So, uh, but that just describes me really well. And probably one of the reasons I love real estate so much is because there's so much to learn and you can dive in and it holds my attention because of the, the capability it has to make so much income, which will really allow me to shift that focus back to having thousands of hobbies and spending more time with my family and serving in our church and our community. Excellent. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about what it is exactly that you do, Emma. I am an apartment syndicator, really plain and simple. I take ugly apartments that um, other people don't want. Um, my favorite right now is really the slumlord building that needs a lot of TLC. There's a lot of upside in those, and most people say to avoid those uh, because they're a lot of work. But I feel mm -hmm. like if you have some business management skills and some construction management skills, um, that taking on these kinds of projects can be really lucrative. So. That's what I do. We have a few projects that are a little outside of that niche that are a lighter value add. Um, and then our new construction that we're doing in downtown Salt Lake City is a little bit of a departure from that, but it's still multifamily that needs a lot of construction. Awesome. So are you now raising the capital and managing the deals at the same time? 
Yeah, I tend to have to split my time between those two things. Because if you ever take your eye off one or the other, when you're not looking for deals, you get a bunch of money that you don't have anywhere to place. Um, if you are really into raising capital, then you can have soft commitments and then I can take it to you or, or another operator and say, hey, I've got soft commits for a million bucks or two million bucks. Please share your deals with me so that I can bring my investors into your deal. I don't love raising capital to that extent um, that I have people sitting in the wings. Um, but the longer I do this, the more that's starting to happen. So I was really focused on the beginning of bringing the deal in and managing the deal. Because if you want to get into something, you have to control the deal or you have to control the money. And for me, it made more sense to control the deal because that was what was coming into my network versus controlling the money, which was a little bit harder for me to, to tap into that. So, but I'm noticing the more experience you get, the more you tend to have people offering you money or more likely to say yes when you put a deal in front of them. So I've been shifting over more into the capital raising side. And I imagine that's where I'll end up spending most of my time in the next couple of years. That's awesome. Wow. That's a very, very interesting. So when you're out there uh, buying a property, how do you manage risk, especially in your case where you're not just playing with your own capital? Well, I'll... I'll tell you the story I always start with is how I found my first deal and I had no idea what I was doing. And people would tell me, you have no business investing in this. It's scary. You don't have the infrastructure. You don't have the background. This is, you've scaled too big, too fast. Um, and, and watch out because this whole thing could implode. And, you know, maybe that's true. But the way that you manage that risk is by bringing people into your team who know more about it than you do. And what I've noticed is if you control the deal or if you control the money, People who know what they're doing will want to partner with you because everybody's looking for those two things. Do they need a construction manager, financial manager, an asset manager? Yes, those are all really important contributions. But what it boils down to, do you have deals or do you have dollars? And if you have one of those two things, you can attract the A-team that you want, either with partners or with vendors that who know what they're worth and you can pay them what they're worth. You bring in the A-team if you have one of those two things. And that's going to manage risk because the more you know and the more capable you are, the less risk you're gonna take. So I start out a project that people tell me, you can't handle this, or you're growing too fast, or, or, or on the other end, they're positive and supportive. How did you scale? How did you get into this? It's other people, it's leveraging that network that really manages the risk. If you have good fundamentals, a good deal with good numbers, that's gonna have great returns that will attract great investors, then people will partner with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned that deals and dollars are the most important. And I often argue that the deals are far more important than the dollars, because if it is truly a deal, the dollars will follow, no question about it. I, that's definitely true in the seller's market, because deals are harder to come by. And then when you have maybe more of a buyer's market or recession, you have um, money that's that's chasing deals in a seller market, because there aren't that many. But when you have lots and lots of deals lying around, there's blood in the streets. Um, it's a little harder to find money for those for two reasons. One, the money partners are scared. And two, they have so many choices mm -hmm. and they're putting their money in and they, they kind of run out. It's a more finite resource than than deals because we can always go find more deals, but your investors can't always just go fabricate more money, uh, or at least not quickly. Right. Yeah, definitely an interesting point. So you know, you've got a lot going on. You're managing the deals. You're raising the money. You're managing the projects. Kind of sounds like you've got, you know, so many different things you're juggling. What motivates you to work hard in building both your business and your portfolio? Well, just go back to the family. Um, how do you want to spend your time? How do you want to? How do you want to build? I don't like talking about legacy, and I'm really not into general generational wealth or building a legacy because 
I've lost both of my parents now. And I know that after you die, people move on with their lives. And I love my parents and they're always going to have a huge imprint on me. And that is their legacy. But at the same time, I'm not living my life to put a stamp on somebody else or to leave a legacy behind for other people. I'm living my life because I'm living my best life. And that's what I'm giving is example for other people, the freedom to say, go after what you want, design the lifestyle that you want. That's my legacy. And so to work hard for me, it's just because I want to live the way I want to live. I just want freedom. I'm really not that into hard work. I mean, my kids are all homeschooled. And, and that sounds like hard work about, with six kids. <laughs> it's, and, but you see, here's the thing, efficiency in the systems and taking advantage of the ability to be lazy and teaching the kids like we don't just teach the value of work because work is important or work is a value. I don't think work is a character trait or a value. I teach my kids to dream big and the work follows. So there's no reason that we just need to teach them to toil and labor away. That's an employee mindset or that's um, a small mindset that we just work hard for work's sake. We work hard for things we really, really care about. And I really care about freedom, spending more time with my family, traveling, living abroad, um, getting rid of the W-2, like these types of constraints yeah. are what motivates me. So I don't really feel like I work that hard or that I'm really that disciplined. I just really, really care about what I'm doing. Yeah. And it sounds like you're really motivated by freedom, which is, is awesome. And I think that's something that real estate really has to offer to people is freedom, right? F freedom mm -hmm. to, to have the life that you want, freedom to build your own destiny. And if you so desire freedom to leave a legacy or to leave something for your children. I mean, I know myself personally, I love the idea. I've got four children who I love dearly. And I know that should they so desire, they have a business that they can walk into and that they can be a part of. And, 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 you know, in today's system, I'm able to help train my children in skills that actually will provide them with yeah. you know, meaningful opportunities, which I think, you know, it's a whole nother discussion. But um, if you can train people and teach people, whether they're your own children or other people, right, that you inspire and you help to provide these gifts that we've all received from somebody else. So I think that that's another great, you know, aspect of building, of being in the real estate profession. Um, you know, so I wanted to know also, Emma, if you could share with us, with our viewers, any networking tips that, uh, you know, you've come across uh, throughout the years that help you to build your business uh, or even to keep track of your contacts for that matter. Um, I think networking is one of those things that a lot of people feel like is a natural skill, like you're outgoing or you're social or you really enjoy being at these networking events. And, and I see you in this and they think that, um, well, you have to kind of learn how to do underwriting and learn how to run these financial models. Nobody really talks about how you have to learn how to network. There's a lot of psychology in it. There's a sure. lot of forcing yourself to go to an event when you'd rather stay home that night. There's a lot of putting money down on the table to fly out to a conference. And so being willing to treat networking as a skill rather than something that you're either good at or you're not good at. I learned this with singing. I was a terrible singer a couple of years back and I put my kids in singing lessons and I would sit there and I would pay attention and then driving back and forth, we would practice. And I remember one day singing something and thinking just cause I was singing for fun. Right. And I heard it and I thought, Oh, that's actually pretty good. Like I didn't know that people could learn how to sing. I thought you were either a singer with some training or you weren't. But the fact that I could turn into a, from a terrible non-singer into somebody who now I can actually perform in front of people without massive embarrassment. Networking is the same way. It's not just you're naturally social. There's a lot that has to go into tracking these relationships 
humans can only really remember about 100, 150 people in their network at any given time. And so if you don't write it down and you don't have a way to reach out to these people, you're going to forget who they are. So getting some sort of the, the customer relationship management, the IT tools, the email marketing systems, put it in a spreadsheet, put it on a piece of paper, get a business sure. card scanner, like track these things and have it available so that you can categorize it so you can reach out to the right people, whether it's you're raising capital uh, because you want to get earnest money for a deal or you need a limited partner or you need to reach out to a contractor or you need to reach out to a potential partner who has enough net worth to sponsor your deal. How are you going to keep all this stuff straight? We've already said the more people you know, the less risk you take and the more opportunities you have. Yeah. So how are you going to keep track of them? It just it's a skill and get the IT tools that you need to really uh, do it well. Yeah, absolutely. No question about that. I mean, I, I believe that the more you can get things out of your head and either on paper or even more preferably into a system, maybe a cloud-based system, the better. I know I mm -hmm. use CRM for all of my business and it helps me to manage my you know contact attempts and uh, also to manage my pipeline, which is, is really important. I mean, I would be inclined to keep it all in my head, but if I do that, like you said, the, the human brain is a little bit limited in terms of the number of things that we can think about si simultaneously, and it's always great to have a system. So I, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, you, we talking about syndication, about putting deals together. I'm very curious, how do you meet the people that you partner with or, or invest with? All of those things that I mentioned before, uh, my favorite is live events for me personally, because I find that I read a study years ago that friendships are formed by repeated spontaneous interactions. It's kind of like you're standing in your front yard watering the lawn and your neighbor's driving in. If he just shuts the garage door and goes into his house from there, you really haven't seen him. But if he stops, gets the mail, chats with you in the yard or your neighbor's walking the dog by, you run into each other at the grocery store, it's like the more we have to make plans to go do things, the less likely we are to do them. And that was the, the study results where those spontaneous interactions are what builds it. So put yourself in places where you can have those repeated interactions. Go to the regular networking event, pick a couple and be committed. Go to the monthly luncheon, pick a conference that you go to every single year. Uh, I had one friend, he said that he committed to doing one conference a month for a year. And so before COVID, he was able to go to a conference every single month. And then he worked that uh, the people that he met with the business cards and spent the month between conferences calling and following up and getting them in, into the right spot on his database. And so I really prefer the live events, the repeated spontaneous interactions. Uh, but that can also be on social media. It can also be digital, which I definitely utilize social media very heavily, which is how we met. That's right. Uh, get on there, get active. Even if you're not great at content creation, you're not great at photography, you're not great at writing thought-provoking articles, there's a lot of content on there that you can interact with. Answer questions, give your opinion, direct people, introduce people. You don't need to be a top-level content creator in order to network well on social media. Just like at an event, you don't have to plan the event, you just show up and participate. So think of it like that, show up and participate, whether it's online or in person, and then track it afterwards, follow up and track it. Love it, absolutely. Well, listen, we've got about a minute and a half left, Emma. Really appreciate everything you've shared. You've been around for a while, you've done a lot, you have six kids, you've got a long time marriage, happy anniversary again. What advice can you share to our viewers kind of in some closing remarks here? figure out what you care about, figure out why you want to do something. And 
figure out who you need to know to get you there. Uh, a lot of us who do well in this business are obsessive researchers and we love to get all the information we can. Take that and put that onto that obsession, onto building your real estate business. You're gonna have successes, you're gonna have failures, uh, but you just, you just gotta keep going and opportunities will come out of your network. The old guys, they always say, I do all this through my network. And it's frustrating at the beginning because you don't have it and it takes a while to build, but just keep it on, it will happen. There you go. Really appreciate that. Emma, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This was really meaningful, very valuable. Appreciate your time. Love it. Thank you so much for having me. We'll catch you online. You got it. I'm Dan Lukowitz, your host of Dan on Top. Another great episode. Appreciate you all stopping by, and we'll see you soon.